0: Before we get started with today's show, I'm here to tell you about Brez Coffee Company, made by gamers for gamers right here on the Gulf Coast in Pensacola, Florida. Do you like light or medium roast? Then try the Necro Medium, Holy Grail Light, or Stamina Boost. Or if you're like me and prefer Darker Roast, try the Critical Dark or the Koo Slayer Mocha Roast. But what if you can't pick just one? Then try one of their specialty sample packs, perfect for an all-night gaming, or in the case of my fellow filmmakers, an all-night editing session. Forget about all the crappy coffee you've been buying at the grocery store and head on over to brezcoffeeco.com. Use the promo code DDE at checkout to get 10% off your order. Have you ever thought to yourself after listening to this podcast, why didn't Derek ask this question? Or why didn't he ask that question? I know I certainly have. Well, you get the chance to do that, if you sign up for my Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast, you get the chance to ask guests of the show a question. If you're a fan of the top five list, you get the chance to vote on what the topic will be. You also get early access to episodes, accessibility to my film scripts, and so much more. And you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash Podcast. And we want to thank our patrons, Tim Spivey, Donna Diamond, and Shannon Williams. Thanks so much for for your continued contributions. And now on with the show. Welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience podcast where every week I take a look inside the world of film and television with those who have lived it and experienced it. I am your host, Derek Diamond. And coming up on today's show, you'll be hearing my conversation with actors Charlotte Louise Spencer and Alex Sorian Brown. They'll be on the show to talk about their latest film, Evan Wood, which is a young adult drama about a young woman named Rachel who's dealing with her brother's drug use. They'll be coming up a little bit later on to talk about that and some other cool things. Really fun uh, chatting with both of them. But unfortunately, we have to start this week's show on a somber note Uh, As you know, a couple of weeks ago, actor uh, Ed Asner, legendary actor whose most modern audiences will know him from Cobra Kai. He played uh, Johnny Lawrence's stepdad, but he was in the Mary Mary Tyler Moore show. He was in Up. He was Carl in Up. It's mostly what I know him from. But his career had spanned decades upon decades and known through generations of fans. Well, we had another loss in the film industry today, uh, Michael K. Williams, the actor who brought a hard edged charisma to his portrayal of Omar Little from The Wire, was also in uh, Lovecraft Country and Boardwalk Empire, was found dead at his home at the age of 54 years old. So sad. Uh, you know, another great talent gone way too soon. So. Uh, my thoughts go out to his family, his loved ones. It's, it's always tough when you, when you hear news like that, just, you know, happens kind of out of the blue sometimes. And it it really, it makes you appreciate life whenever you read stories like this, because it can all be over just like that. And I don't really know any details other than that. As I'm recording this, uh, the news broke today. So, uh, not too much is known about cause of death or anything like that, but it, it's, it's an unfortunate loss. So rest in peace, Mr. Michael K. Williams. And before we get to the conversation with Charlotte and Alex, I did want to talk about a film that I did not have. I won't say I had low expectations for, but I didn't really have any expectations. And when the news started coming out and reviews started coming out about this film and I was hearing nothing but positive things from critics as well as fans that, you know, got to see screenings and then I I didn't see this opening night, but it's just seeing the Twitter comments just rolling in it was nothing but positive reviews and thoughts and things like that. And I thought to myself, I've got to see this movie as soon as possible. And that, of course, is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, the latest film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, I will be the first to admit that I knew next to nothing about the Shang-Chi character. I've known, you know, for a couple of years now that this movie's been in development because, as we all know, Marvel has been insane with planning their film universe out all the way back to 2008's Iron Man. So, we've known about this movie for a while. But even then, I didn't really do any research into the character. Because I figured it's a Marvel movie so I'm going to watch it regardless and I've kind of gotten now as I've gotten a little bit older that I like to just find out like the base information about a movie. Like, I don't want to know every single little detail that's going on before it happens because I like to watch the story unfold. Like, with this movie, I had no real idea what it was about. I've seen a trailer and maybe a commercial or two, but that's really been it. You know, I like to just go in with a base idea, okay, this is who this character is to a point, but I want to watch what happens unfold so I can... I feel like it really helps me form a true opinion of the film. It's also why I don't really read reviews other than looking at, you know, like a star rating or a percentage rating. I won't really read too much detail, maybe just some very basic information, but either way, I was pretty hyped for this movie after hearing nothing but great things about it. So we went to see it Sunday afternoon and surprisingly, more people at the theater than I expected on you know a Sunday afternoon at, at one o'clock. But I, I'd say the theater was probably about half full and I guess you know word of mouth is still one of the best ways to you know spread word about a movie because I know it's done really well. I believe it made just over 70 million at the box office this weekend, which is great. Especially, you know, when we're still in the COVID era, the pandemic era. But kind of transitioning off of that into my thoughts of the movie, I absolutely loved it. I think it's one of the best Marvel movies to come out in quite some time. I don't know if I would put it in my top five. I'd have to really think about that. It's definitely in the top 10 around that six to seven mark. I I think part of me enjoyed it because I didn't know that much about the story. Like I had no idea about you know, who this Shang-Chi character was, the universe that you, he works in, like his villains, his friends, his backstory, any of it. So went in with a fresh set of eyes and After watching the movie, I started doing a little more research about the character. Like I had no idea that Shang-Chi has been around since the early 70s. That character was created in 1973. And I know that there have been rumors of a Shang-Chi movie even dating back to the 90s. Which, again, I had no idea about. Um, But I loved what they did with this movie. And I think I loved it because... It's, when I, what I love the most about film, yeah, I love great visuals, I love effects, I love action, I love, I love most everything about film. But to me, what truly makes a film great is the characters and the story and what the characters do throughout the story. And I love the story of this movie because when you, really boil it down to its most basic form. It was about a father-son relationship and how that relationship was broken over the death of Shang-Chi's mother. And it keeps... The, the way the story was told was just so beautiful through... The, the acting was great. I thought it was a very positive representation Of Asian culture, and I will be the first to admit that I am not very well versed in Eastern film, but I thought this was a great representation of Asian characters. It had everything from a great story. I thought the acting was great. Um, The visuals were really good. It was just it had you know the the humor that you would come to expect from a Marvel movie. I thought Aquafina. Provided some great comic relief as uh, as Katie, but I was just I was mesmerized by the film, and I find myself at times when I don't really get into a movie, I'll you know glance at my phone, I'll look at my watch to see what time it is. I didn't do that at all with this movie, and I I just think it it told a great story and was. I think a nice breath of fresh air for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It, it, it gave me the same feeling that I did, that I had when I watched Black Panther. That being that I thought it was a great representation of a culture that is different from mine, that I don't know much, if anything, about. So I got vibes, the same vibes from Shang-Chi that I did when I watched Black Panther for the first time. I will say I liked Shang Chi better than Black Panther, and that's no knock to Black Panther at all. I think that's definitely one of the better Marvel movies as far as story goes. But I found myself really getting drawn into this world, and I, I want to see more. Like I want to see a Shang Chi sequel. Now, I I will I should have prefaced this by saying that you know there will be some spoilers. With this, um, I haven't dabbled into it too much. I haven't really gotten into the real meat of the story, but I do want to address the the post-credit scenes, which I'll get to here in a second. Um, I thought the the bus scene in the towards the beginning of the movie was one of the coolest action sequences I've ever seen, with you know, Shang Chi fighting all these assassins from the Ten Rings through these different tiers of a bus and little things like with him using his environment, like using the poles, using even his jacket to fight them off, I thought was really well choreographed and really well done. And I loved the, my, one of my complaints about the movie, and I I will say this, I, I loved the fights at the beginning and the end of the film when we see the two people who turn out to be Shang Chi's parents fight each other it was almost ballet type in a way and I, I think it was very that was very influenced by um by eastern film It's everything from the movements and the slow motion and you know as they're connecting with each other seeing the close ups of the faces and their reactions to each other was very beautiful I thought and the same thing happens when Shang-Chi is fighting his father at the end of the film but in between there were some of the fights that were kind of I guess more traditional as far as you know using CGI and it being more like modern film when it comes to you know the cuts and everything and it took me out of the movie a little bit but not too much but I loved everything from, you know, the wind blowing and the leaves floating in the air in slow motion during the fights. It was great. It was really, really great. Um, I will say this, it it did make me more interested to do more research into films from other cultures. Like I wanna see some of these films that influence the fighting style of Shang Chi. You know, just cause there's so there's so many more genres of film and film created in, you know, in France and China. It's it, it makes me want to just kind of immerse myself into that. That's the feeling I had when I walked out of Shang-Chi. But I I thought, you know, well, before I give my overall thoughts again, I will say that the the two post credit scenes, the mid credit scene where we see. Shang-Chi and um, Katie be introduced to Bruce Banner and Carol Danvers, which really shows that he's now a part of the Avengers. And it alludes to something bigger because at this point, Shang-Chi has possession of the Ten Rings. His father has has died. Uh, he's in sole possession of them. Like the battle is won. But it's revealed that there's a The rings are basically a beacon, but we don't know what the beacon is for. Now, Carol is only on screen briefly because she has to do something else. But what kind of shocked me was that Bruce was not Smart Hulk, as he came to be known in Endgame. He was human Bruce Banner. So... I'll be curious as to how they explain that. I'm sure they will in an upcoming movie or one of the Disney Plus shows. But that kind of threw me for a loop. And I, I thought Wong going with Katie and Shang-Chi to sing karaoke after that was hilarious. Uh, I, I also loved Wong and the Abominations appearance towards the beginning of the movie when those two fought each other. You know, they, we haven't seen Abominations since the Incredible Hulk movie that they seem to not really want to talk about that much anymore. But I felt like they might be making Wong the new Phil. And I'm okay with that. I don't know if that's the direction they're going, but it seems that way. And I would actually really like it. I think Wong's a, a great, great supporting character. But the the end credit scene shows uh, Shang-Chi's sister who we meet during the film, she takes over the Ten Rings operation. So I'm curious as to how they will appear in some way because they say the Ten Rings will return. How I have no idea. So they're they're laying a a good a good foundation for this Phase Four. But I think something that I loved—it's definitely one of the top moments of the entire film. And I'm so happy they did this. I was hoping they would they brought back Bing Kingsley's Trevor Slatery to conclude the story that was told in Iron Man 3 with him being the fake Mandarin and it's a conversation you know that Shang-Chi's father has with him and his sister about how an American hired someone to portray this fictitious character named the Mandarin and he even makes fun of the names like oh you named me after an orange, or you name me after a type of chicken. You know, I, I laughed out loud when that happened. Now I know they did the, the one shot film with, with Ben Kingsley. I think it was called all hail the King, which they funny enough put on Disney plus right before Shang-Chi came out. Once that happened, I, that told me that he was coming back, but I thought he was absolutely hilarious. And it in a way makes iron man three better. Because a lot of people hated that twist. I personally did not. I thought it was funny. But I wasn't a die-hard Iron Man fan growing up. So the twist with his supposed arch-nemesis... You know, like, it didn't bother me. And they wound up going in a much better direction anyway. So great, great movie. I can't wait to see how Shang-Chi becomes more involved, you know, with the next phase of Marvel films. Like I said, it's pretty clear that he's an Avenger at this point. So we'll, we'll see, but I, I give Shang Chi and the legend of the 10 rings, my highest recommendation. It had everything from beautiful fighting. It told a great story. The acting was, was wonderful. And it made me a fan of, uh, Simu Lu who plays Shang-Chi or Sean is his American name. I knew he was in, um, I believe it was Kim's convenience. I think it was what it was called. Uh, Kim, yeah. Kim's convenience. Um, I never watched that show, so I had really no, no real experience of seeing him as an actor in anything. So this is literally the first thing I've seen him in, but blew me away. I thought he did a great job as Sha Chi. I want to see more. If you haven't seen it, definitely go. And if you're still listening to this and you haven't seen it, I'm sorry I spoiled some things for you, but it's still worth seeing. I didn't get into too many spoilers, I feel like, but you got to go see it. It's a wonderful movie. I can't recommend it enough. I want to see it again before uh, its theater, and, or theater run ends, but I know as soon as it gets on Disney Plus, I'm gonna watch it again. So definitely go check it out. But that's gonna do it for my review of Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And now we're gonna turn it over to my conversation with Charlotte Louise Spencer and Alex Sorian Brown. As I mentioned at the top of the show, they are here to talk about their film Evan Wood, which is a young adult drama about a young woman named Rachel who's dealing with her brother's drug use. So Hopefully you enjoy this conversation as much as I had being a part of it. So without further ado, here is my chat with Charlotte and Alex. Welcome back to the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. And this week I have not one, but two guests here on the show, which I'm very excited about. From the film, Evan Wood, we have Charlotte Louise Spencer and Alex Sorian Brown. How are you both today?
1: I'm great, thank you. How are you?
0: Doing fantastic, doing fantastic. I, we were talking a little bit before we started recording. I've been dealing with a, a, a pet emergency, but we're, uh, we're, we're all good. Everything's all well and good and happy to, to be here chatting with you both. So how about you, Alex?
2: Uh, I'm great. I'm super excited to be chatting with you today. So excited for the questions.
0: For sure. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this conversation now for for the last couple of weeks. So let, let's just dive right into the film that you're both here to talk about. And that is uh, Evan Wood, which you both uh, play roles in. Uh, Charlotte, let's start with you because I want to ask you both. Uh, how did you initially hear about the film and what made you want to get involved with it?
1: Well, for me, I actually wrote and produced the film as well. And so I began writing Evan Wood and it initially was a short film. And then I soon realized that the message I really wanted to get across would be a lot better in a future film. So I wrote Evan Wood. So that's how I'm involved in it.
0: Did you, once you decided to pursue it as a feature, had you done any feature films as far as writing one and working behind the scenes of a feature film?
1: No, I have never. I've just um, acted before. So this was such an experience. I'd never written a feature film, but I've had a lot of experience with short films. So, but I had a lot of help with the writing as well. It wasn't just me. I had a writing partner.
0: Was the the thought of transitioning it, it, it to a feature, was it nerve-wracking? Were you nervous at all? Or was it more of like an excitement to be pursuing this?
1: I mean, it's always a little bit nerve-wracking, isn't it? And I did speak to a lot of professionals and you know they said that with the short amount of filming time that we had, they don't know if it would be the best option. But I just really, really believed in the project And I think it paid off. I'm glad my gut feeling told me to
2: go with it.
0: What about you, Alex? How did you hear about the film and what made you want to get involved?
2: So Charlotte and I have actually been friends for a few years now, and um, we've always had a pretty sibling-like bond. Uh, So when she was coming up with the film, um, I wanted to read for Kevin. And I was lucky enough to read with her and it worked out.
0: <laughs> That's great. That's great. So once you know, once the film is set, like you guys are going to to make it happen. And Charlotte, talk to me a little bit about it because you were, you, know, you co-wrote the film. Once you cast all your characters, you found your crew and everything. Talk to me about how the making of the actual film was from, from start to finish.
1: Um, Well, that's a good question. I think it was extremely intense. So we had, I think in total, nine principal filming days and two B-roll days. So we shot this entire film in a total of 11 days. So it was foot on the pedal. I think we were shooting, um, Alex, correct me if I'm wrong, 14 to 16 pages a day, if not more.
2: Yep, that's exactly right. We were, so it was like, we did some rehearsals with the director. The cast did some rehearsals with the director a few days before filming. And then once we got into filming, it was like one or two takes per scene and per person and just really, really getting through it.
1: (laughs) I think what helped Um, the cast bond in a really short amount of time was the fact that we all went to Lake Arrowhead together. And there was a few different houses that crew and cast were split into. But because we were all so tightly together the entire filming process, it was very easy to connect almost instantly with each other.
0: That's an interesting point because I've brought this up a couple of times on the show, but whenever you work on, whether it's a short or a feature, whether it's for, you know, a couple of days, a couple of months, or in your case, you know, 10 to 11 days, you really almost become like a extended family because you spend so many hours together. And it's in a way also like summer camp as well. Like you're going off to camp for, you know, a couple of weeks and then in a way you're sad when it's over because it's like you don't know when or if you'll see each other again or if you'll work together again did did you all have that that same feeling as well
1: oh absolutely yeah (laughs) funny because I actually had to ask the director the other day how many filming days were there in total and when she told me in my Memory, I'm such good friends with everyone. It seems like we were together for six months to a year. And it was just, I just met these people for some of them the first time and it feels like they've been friends forever.
2: And um, so also in the filming, I just wanna add we are wrap night for principal photography we were up in Lake Arrowhead it was like Halloween <laughs> so like uh it really the entire experience because we did the, like three or four days in LA and then the rest in Lake Arrowhead and it was like summer camp like I mean driving around like we would have people pick us up from like our cabin in the middle of nowhere and like drive us through the woods to whatever other location it was literally like summer camp it was so
0: much fun it sounds like there's a whole separate movie in that that whole experience too
1: (laughs) probably uh
0: that but that that's great to hear though and because you i've heard several stories that you actors and actresses or those who work behind the scenes might say that you it wasn't that great of an experience. But I, I I always look at it as you're getting to, you're getting to make a film, like in your case, a feature-length film. And the fact that you were all able to get along so well and already had that kind of you know preconceived chemistry was was great. And I, I'll have to say this. I've I've done I've worked on a couple of shorts and I've written and directed my own, that every set that I've worked on was a max two days of shooting. So making a feature in 10 to 11 days to me just sounds insane. Like, it's almost like you got to be in like in a constant adrenaline rush when that's the case. Like, was that that the case with you all?
1: Oh, it was definitely the case. But our leader, our director, the amazing Nikki Byrne, um, she pushed it along she is a great director because a lot of these takes that and a lot a lot of the scenes sorry that you see were two or maximum three takes that's it so the actors had very very little time
0: was the the time limit was that something that you all decided that you wanted to do in that short of time or was that the only option that you had to have it done in that certain amount of time
1: we had very um little budget so that is the real reason locations are expensive
2: and we were also filming on locations. so i think um because the, the film also i think from a point of view of like acting i remember nikki coming in and being like i know this scene should be like in at dawn, but we can't do it at dawn because we have to film it right now. (laughs) So things like that, like, um, we we really had to play a lot with like, oh, like now is the time. It's either now or never. Like we either get this scene that should match this scene now or we don't get it because we have to leave in two days. And it's the only option. It was a little bit like that.
0: Well I find also that when you work under pressure like that, sometimes it can it can help you in future projects. You know, knowing that you can do something in that short amount of time. What what were some of the big takeaways or lessons that both of you had? And and Alex, we'll start with you from the making of, of Evan Wood.
2: Um I think um from the making of Evan Wood, what I can take as an actor is um, trust your instincts and trust the work. Cause a lot of times um, I felt like with that very limited amount of time and the pressure of like, oh, you have two or three takes to do this scene. A lot of times before we did the scene, I found myself in my head about like, oh my God, I have two, three takes. I have like, I need to nail this. And the scenes where I actually wasn't doing that, the ones where I was just like, let me connect with my partner, um, were a lot more smooth and are the ones that I'm the happiest with, where I was just able to be like, I've done the work, I'm Evan. (laughs) Let's just play with that instead of being like, oh, you know, I need it to be perfect or we have three takes or two takes. Because um, really, some of those scenes are even one take. Some of them. So um, that's my my takeaway is just relax, like do the work prior, and then when you get to it, play, play with your scene partners, play with, you know, the director, etc.
0: I think that's great advice. What about you, Charlotte?
1: For me, I'm going to be completely honest here. Um, it was my first time producing and i feel like if next time i want to produce write and act in the film i really need to learn how to take the producer hat off because i did find it very tricky at some stages to really get into character and focus because my mind was i was wearing a writer's hat a producing hat and also the leads hat it was it was a lot to take on and I really need to trust in other people next time and focus on my role. I am still very proud of my performance. Don't get me wrong, but I caused myself a lot of stress during that time.
2: And I do have to say um, that even though the movie is called Evan Wood, (laughs) um, Rachel is in every scene. She's in like, every scene. So like it was, you know, if it was hard for me and I'm in like half of the movie, imagine like leading that. I don't even want to like think of the stress that you must have gone through (laughs) every scene, literally.
0: Yeah. And I I can also speak from past experience as well. You know, sometimes it, it can be tough to give up that responsibility or something that you've worked so hard on. And you're wearing so many different hats, whether it's you know, like director at writer and acting, or you know, in your case, writing, producing, and acting, it, it can be tough because you put so much time and effort into it that you almost and I don't want to say it's a lack of trust thing, but it could be, you know, you you know how you want it done, and it's tough to Hand it off to someone else and expect them to carry out your vision or what you would do. But sometimes you have to. Like, I, I yeah. it was hard enough for me to write and direct a short. I can't imagine writing, producing, and acting in a feature. So props, props yeah. to you for that.
1: Thank you.
0: Uh, talk to me a little bit about, because I, I love getting you know, like, Behind the scenes stories of films, whether they're shorts or features, because you all spend so much time together. We talked about how it's almost like summer camp. You almost become like an extended family. Do you each have a favorite onset story? It can be something serious, it can be something funny that you would like to share. Uh, Charlotte, we'll start with you.
1: Oh. You might
0: have to start with Alex. I need to think
2: about it. No worries. I I mean, I have some,
0: but just because.
2: uh, So, um, for example, uh, this was, we shot this in October, and fall is, like, my favorite time of year. So, um, I, at the end of the pumpkin, we have a, a scene in Thanksgiving dinner, and we had, Uh, pumpkin pie, obviously, Um, and when we were done for the day, I was like, oh my god, I get to, like, go and eat, like, the rest of the pumpkin pie, which is my favorite, pumpkin pie is, like, my thing, and then I, like, turn around the corner, and Trevor's already there, like, eating the pie, (laughs) so I was, like, and it was the first time we met, so that was, like, friends for life, I was like, "Mm, yes, like my kind of person. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that was like one. Or um, for Halloween, a lot of the people were wearing like headbands and like we had like a foxtail that was like, you know, going around set that everyone was wearing. So that was also kind of fun.
0: (laughs) Now I want pumpkin pie. I'm telling you. (laughs) I'm telling you. (laughs) Uh. That's awesome. I
1: I will tell you something funny. So probably the scenes that had the most takes were the scenes of my hands trying to cook. Because me as Charlotte cannot cook. There's a shot of my hand making pancakes. It must have been about 15 takes. (laughs) just pancakes nikki was like we can't spend any more time on this uh
0: who knew pancakes would be kryptonite (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's 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 hilarious Uh, so kind of transitioning uh away from the film and because i'd like to get each of your backstories on what was it that made you both want to get into the the film and TV industry, because I, I say this almost ad nauseum on the show that there's not really a set path or like a how-to book on how to get into film, whether it's an actor, writer, producer, director, whatever the case may be. Uh, Charlotte, we'll start with you. What was it that initially made you want to work in film and TV?
1: Well, it's something I've been extremely passionate about since I've been young. And I worked quite a lot in the UK in TV. And when I got to the age of around 14, I was missing a lot of school. So my parents put a stop to me filming so much cause I was missing school. And I think I had a bit of an attitude. <laughs> so they were like, no. And they said, when you're old enough to decide and you you know, can work on your own, then we'll see if you still want to do it. And when I turned 21, I just thought I want to go to LA and I want to go to drama school. So that's what I did. And that's where I met Alex. And I remember actually at drama school, the teachers and people that would come and speak, guest speakers would always say to us, you know, you need to be creating your own content. And I think I can speak for 99% of the people in that room We're all thinking, no, we don't. We're gonna make a big break. You know how it is. Um, but here I am, I found myself doing that and I absolutely love it. But that would be advice to any like budding actor out there. Get out and create your own content. It's a great way to get yourself seen and heard.
0: It's the best way to learn too. Exactly. What about you, Alex?
2: Well, I've always been a performer. Even when I was a little kid, I would like put up shows. I would sing The Little Mermaid to like my family in the living room and put up concerts for them. Um, So (laughs) when um, I was a teenager, I wanted to start studying singing. So I started with Classical singing and that led to musical theater, and then the musical theater led to <laughs> the camera acting. Somehow, I did the entire like round of performing arts. Um, but I personally like, I love theater. I like the lifestyle of filming TV and film a little bit more, um, because. It's, um, it's, I don't want to say more exciting, but it's, you're working on different projects all the time. Uh, whereas when you start working on a show like Broadway or off Broadway, you're there for a year, eight performances a day. It's a little bit more tiresome in that way of routine. And I'm a person that loves just new things and new and exciting things. Um, So I think that's what attracted me to TV and film rather than, like, theater and even singing, Um, which I still do, but...
0: Did you find that your background in musical theater, did that help prep you for acting in front of the camera?
2: Um, That's a great question. Um, I think my... Acting in front of the camera actually helped ground my musical theater work a lot. (laughs) So because it is true that with even with classical singing, a lot of times and even more transitioning to musical theater, you can get trapped in like the tropes of musical theater of like, oh, I have to do so much so that people can see me. And you start when you start doing it every day for so long, you start losing the truth in it. And when you have a camera in front of your face, the truth is the only thing that people see. If there is no truth, then you're, you're missing something. So I think it's the other way around. My film and TV background now have helped, as I continue with my singing training, it's helped my singing and my performing while singing.
0: And that's really interesting because I've always heard of it the other way around that those who did theater first, it helped prep them for acting in front of the camera. I've Mm -hmm. never heard of it the other way around that. That's actually really fascinating. I've never really thought of it that way.
2: Well, well, theater and musical theater are a little bit different as well, um, Mm -hmm. because musical theater is a little bit more exposition and a little bit bigger than like just classical theater. But I do think that I've learned a lot of things about, like even my emotional, um, being that I use for my acting that before maybe I wasn't accessing on a daily basis when I was performing.
0: Right. No, that, that's that's interesting. Like I, I look at that now in a whole, a whole new perspective. That's awesome. But uh, as we start to wrap up here, I, I did want to ask both of you. Uh, now that you know, you're both wrapped on Evan Wood, and Alex, we'll start with you, do you have any other uh, projects in the works that you'd like to talk about?
2: I have a film I did the same year as Evan Wood called Earthquake Country with Hallie and Audrey McPherson. that I shot in Ohio. It's a little um, um, comedy that should do the festival round next year, and I'm very excited for the world to see it because they are very, very talented writer-directors. And um, they're working on another project I'm hoping I'll get to play the lead on. Um, So that's, um, that's kind of my exciting what to look for project.
0: Awesome. What about you, Charlotte?
1: I am actually writing a horror film, which is very different for me. I can't even really watch horror films. So I've got a great writing team helping me Alex can vouch for that. See, <laughs> what did we see in the theaters and I put I had one mask around my mouth and the other one around my eyes.
2: It was The Conjuring 3. <laughs> <laughs> I love horror movies. I'm I'm a fan. I love horror movies. I like I hope I can be in Charlotte's next horror movie. I love horror movies. Love, love, love.
1: Um, Yeah, but it was originally supposed to be shot in Big Bear. And I think we're going to move it to the UK. Oh, wow. Which will be so exciting for me. It's beautiful there. So hopefully, fingers crossed.
0: I have to ask, if you're not a... If you can't watch horror films, what inspired you to want to write one?
1: (laughs) Well, it was actually... (laughs) two of the writers that came to me and the script was great I mean I can still read a great script gotcha and I mean I try my best I do watch horror films but it's very much like I think
2: (laughs) I think at the end of the day a horror a good horror film um like is still good writing either way it like you know what I mean like you can recognize good writing in um, anywhere i think like if right. you come with a, you know sharknado or something like that you're like maybe <laughs> maybe not the best script but when you have a really good script um i just watched the night house the other day it's in theaters now and like that was a great script i'm sure cuz it was a great movie so something yeah mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, to me, a, a good script is a good script, regardless of whether it's a horror, drama, comedy. So, but I, I, I give you credit for venturing into an avenue that like, could you have seen yourself you know, years ago helping write a horror film?
1: Oh no, not at all, not at all. And there's a lot of comedy elements to it as well, which after Evan Wood was almost my next avenue, I really, really want to write and produce comedy. That would be so exciting. So this horror film does have a lot of comedic elements to it. And then hopefully after that, we'll um, dive into a bit of comedy.
0: That would be fun. That would be really, comedy is always fun.
1: Always fun.
0: Uh, And I always like to, to end the conversations on this and Charlotte, you alluded to this earlier, So Alex, we'll start with you. What is one piece of advice that you could each give to an aspiring filmmaker?
2: Okay. Um, So the same as Charlotte made this film that resonated with her truth and it's coming out, it was finished, people are resonating with it because it has that truth. Um, Whether you're an actor or a filmmaker, Find your truth so that you can come to your stories from that truth.
0: I like that. What about you, Charlotte?
1: Um, I agree. I think write something you're extremely passionate about or make something you're really passionate about. But to me, it would just be go and do it. We all have smartphones. I have seen some incredible films shot on an iPhone. Or a Samsung. Just do it. Even if it's not great, it's practice. You learn. The next one will be better.
0: Agree 100%. And finally, do you guys have any website or social media you'd like to plug so the listeners and viewers can follow you? Charlotte, we'll start with you.
1: Um, Well, we have at Evanwood Film, which you can go. Yay. And then my personal account, which is Charlotte Louise Spencer on Instagram.
0: Alex?
2: I'm Alex Sorian Brown. Sorian like Dorian, but with an S. (laughs) Alex Sorian Brown.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for taking the time to chat with me. This was great.
2: Of course. Thank you for having us.
0: This is so much fun.
1: So much fun.
0: My thanks again to Charlotte Louise Spencer and Alex Sorian Brown for that wonderful conversation. Be sure to follow them on Instagram to find out what they'll be up to next. And if you want to follow this show on social media, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Podcast. If you want to subscribe to the show, check out Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, anywhere you get your podcasts, just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. And if you could, please leave a review. The more reviews I get, the more visible I become to the podcasting public. If you want to check out the video versions of the show, just go on YouTube and search for Derek Diamond. You'll be able to find the shows there. You can find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash ddiamondpodcast. If you want to vote on the monthly top five list, get early access to shows such as this one. If you want to vote on other things, I will be bringing back the roundtable discussions uh, probably in October. Uh, Maybe do a nice Halloween one so you'll be able to vote on those as well. Just head on over to patreon.com slash Podcast. And of course, thank you to my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers, for providing the theme music. For the podcast, you can check out all their music on Apple Music, Google Play, and Spotify. That's going to do it for this week's show, so enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another awesome episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next Thursday.